becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. If you are one of the 44 million caregivers in the U.S. who have provided unpaid care to a loved one in the last 12 months, no one has to tell you about the added stress it can add to your life. But there are some things you can do about it. This week on Parents Are Hard to Raise, Diane's special guest, Dr. Lena Aldana, is here to share some effective techniques for combating caregiver stress. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. For most of us, being there when our loved one needs us is what we do. Being there is a deep-seated core belief and something we all hope we're able to do when the time comes. But the stresses and obligations of our lives, combined with the shift in roles that take place when a child has to take care of a parent, and the emotions that can come from that. And well, it's almost like we're sending stress an open invitation. The thing is, it's natural to feel angry, frustrated, exhausted, alone, or sad as a caregiver. Caregiver stress is so very common. It ranks at the top of the chart with the questions we get here on the show and in my private practice, which is why I asked this week's guest on the show to share some of her ideas with us. Dr. Lena Aldana is a licensed psychologist and clinical director at Pirelli Clinical and Forensic Psychology. She earned her doctorate degree in clinical psychology from the Graduate School of Applied and Professional Psychology at Rutgers University. Ah, my old stomping ground. I'm a Douglas <laughs> graduate, which I don't think they call it Douglas College anymore, but... When I was applying to... Um my bachelor's, uh -huh. it was called Douglas College. It was, so okay. That's how I know it. <laughs> and I was a regular at Tumulty's Pub and Stuff Your Face. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. I know. And Dr. Lena's areas of specialty include depression, anxiety, trauma, and perceptual difficulties, which makes her a perfect guest for this topic. Dr. Lena Aldana, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thank you for having me, and I'm sorry I interjected while you were introducing me. I was just so excited to hear that you're from Rutgers, too. <laughs> no, that's fine. We're kind of loose here. <laughs> we try to be anyway. No, that's, that's wonderful. Um, my first uh, question, or, you know, I, I think, you know, we're taught to put others before ourselves, especially mm -hmm. family. Um, you know, like I was raised Italian and I, I, I remember my husband and I were dating and he's also Italian, but he's a physician. So my aunt had surgery and I said to him, we have to go to the hospital. He said, but she's just 
you know, getting out of surgery. He's like, she'll be, you know, she's probably not even awake in her room. I'm like, no, we have to go. And so, you know, I drag him there and there's, you know, 900 people sitting in the room and they're, they're passing around cookies and coffee, you know, and my poor man is sitting, laying there, you know, but that's what we do. We just, and everybody just sits there and stares, you know, so we, we, feel like it's selfish to think of our own needs. So how how do we get past that? You know, I think that's a struggle for for children of aging parents. What do we do? You know, I think, you know, you touch into some on something very important, the cultural aspect of the way we grow up, because for some clients that I've that I've worked with, that's not so much of an issue. And I think it's because they were raised in a certain way to be very independent, to do your own thing, but they don't have a lot of close connections with family members. Other people, you know, such as, you know, people with your background, I am Latino, I'm Colombian, and I have a bunch of friends who are also ethnic, and they grow up with the belief that they are going to help out the parents, give back, care for them it is a it's a responsibility it is a source of pride um so it, it's hard to get away from that because that's the mentality that you grow up with but then you tend to give so much of yourself um when you care for others and don't forget we have our own families our own children our own job and we kind of lose ourselves yeah. in caring for everyone spread ourselves so thin and there's very little left for us so the question that you asked me is you know how to how do we deal with that? Yeah. Um, I think we need to acknowledge that we have our own needs, that it's okay to take a break, to want a break, to want space, to say, you know, can somebody else help me? You know, can somebody else do the shopping or the cooking or the taking the person out for a stroll? Or can somebody babysit my children while I do something else with my parents so that you don't feel so overwhelmed and so um, spread out? Yeah, I think uh, I don't. I don't know. If some um, you know, some people feel like they don't want to ask other people, or they have to do it themselves. You know that uh, maybe somebody else won't do it right, or somebody somebody maybe doesn't want to help, or I do it this way, or I do it that way. So. I guess that's one of the struggles, you know, that we have to overcome. How to give up a little bit uh, of the control. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, there's no perfect caregiving in terms of the parenting of our own children or the caring for our elderly parents or whoever else we decide to care for. There really is no perfect way to do it. So whoever steps in is going to, if if they have the person's best interest in mind, they're going to do the best that they can and they will accept your feedback if you are the person who primarily cares for the loved one. But it also, you know, requires you to say, okay, I am going to trust that this person is going to care for my mom or for my dad and I am going to now walk away and do something for myself or take care of something that I need to take care of outside of them. But it involves giving up a little control and trusting the other person. So maybe being choosy, maybe not picking the random neighbor down right. the street, but somebody who, right. who you know, <laughs> who has, right. you know, cares for others, maybe is kind to pets. I don't know. But right. you know, not some random, just like you interview and you are so cautious when you are looking for caregivers to your children you interview the nannies you interview the babysitters you go to the 
um, schools or the nursery schools and, and you take tours to find out what it's going to be like, the same should happen when you are going to let somebody else take care of your elderly parent. I mean, you don't have to go through the gamut of interviews and, and whatnot, right. but, you know, have a sense that this person is going to care for them, is not going to harm them, is not going to be reckless or irresponsible. Those are the most important things. And then know that um, you can step away for one hour, maybe the first time, and go do your nails or something. Right. And then <laughs> come back, and if the person is okay and everybody's happy, then try again. But it requires knowing or accepting that you need help, then asking for help and finding somebody who you can trust to give you that help. And maybe having a sense of what you want from that person, right? If it's, yeah. I don't know, person A, knowing that person A can do X, Y, and Z. And so they're going to do that for you, you know? Yeah. Now, what if, you know, someone someone taking care of their mom for a long time, you know, and then saying, okay, yes, you know what, I'm going to let you, you know, uh, you're my you know, you're her, her best friend, and I'm going to let you sit with her. And mom says, No, <laughs> you know, no, I want you, you know, how, how do we? How do do? Yeah, what do we do? How do we handle that? Because you, you need that break, right? Yeah, you do, and you're getting it. So you need to take it <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> while you can. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I, I think it, it um, just it depends on the parents. Some parents are not going to understand or want to understand right. the information that you're giving them. It depends on the person. Some people are just so attached or connected to the primary caregiver that they don't want anybody else. So they're, yeah. they're not going to want to hear your explanations. Some other people may have limitations in memory and cognition and all sorts of things so that they're not going to be able to take in the information that you give them. Um, so you need to know, you know who you're dealing with. But trying to explain to them in very basic terms, like, you know, I, I'm not running away. I am still here. I need to go somewhere for one hour. And so-and-so who can do this, maybe know a fun activity or something that they enjoy doing, um, this person is going to do that with you, and then I will be back. And I can be reached at this number. Um, it depends. Maybe that's not a good idea if the parent is going to start calling <laughs> on and on and on. Um, but it's, it's very similar. I mean, and I don't mean to, to make light of it, but yeah. it, in many ways it's very similar to leaving your small child with a babysitter for the first time. And some children readily go. Some children readily go to daycare and don't cry. And others really struggle with detaching. So it really depends on the individual and on the sense of security. So if you can provide them with that sense that, you know, they're still loved, they're still cared for, you are not leaving, you're not going to disappear, you only need to do this for an X amount of time, and you're going to come right back, and Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so is just going to be here for that amount of time, um, and then when I come back, we're going to watch your favorite show or something, uh, you know, something yes. like that, um, then it may help, I mean, it, it may not help in every situation, but it can be helpful. That's definitely a great suggestion. Lena, I want to talk to you more about recognizing the signs and symptoms of caregiver stress. But if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, I'm going to tell you about something that you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 
250-pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you, in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. I want to welcome new listeners from Germany, Ansbach, Stuttgart, and Dresden, and in Florida, Naples, Jacksonville, and Sarasota, and in North Dakota, Minot. I hope I pronounced all these places <laughs> properly. Please excuse me if I didn't, and with my New Jersey twang <laughs> or accent. I know when I go visit my sister in Texas, they'll say to me, you have such an accent, and I look at them and say, but you have such an accent. So, <laughs> okay, sorry. So, um, Lena, how, how, do, how do we recognize signs and symptoms of caregiver stress? Um, you know, the, the biggest ones I would say are frustration, a lot of frustration, irritability, impatience. Um, when you were not feeling like that before, when you start to notice that you're uh, snapping okay. at everyone, yeah. you are very short or impatient, especially with the person you're caring for. Um, you're feeling frustrated, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling maybe taken advantage of, unappreciated, resentful. You know, there's a lot of negative feelings, a lot of sometimes sadness, wanting to cry, or maybe actually having crying spells, wanting to run away, just bumping the person. You know, just a lot of negativity. Right. Also, sometimes there's a um, difficulty sleeping, a lot of worry, um, eating, eating issues, either eating too much or too little, gaining or losing weight. Um, just, you know, not taking care of yourself and feeling sick. A lot of times when you start to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm dragging, I can't really wake up all the time, I need more coffee, um, I'm too tired, everything hurts, 
I'm, I'm getting sick every other week. I'm right. catching every cold. You know, you are run down and you are overwhelmed. So that feeling of I'm carrying the world on my shoulders and no one is helping me and I don't know what to do and I don't want this anymore. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, but mm. but really, it's just a lot of feeling bad. Yeah. Feeling bad in, in a bad place and, and like just this is not this is not working out and not knowing what to do. It, it, that's really it. Like, like you're kind of stuck and you really don't know what to do. And the, the, and those, uh, what you described is real. It, it really is. And then you feel, uh, you know, people feel guilty because they have those feelings, you know, and, yes. and you have the guilt because you're frustrated or you're angry or you might snap. So those are signs that you know, and sometimes I guess we don't see them in ourselves, maybe. You know, we don't even realize we might be snapping at people or... Yes, until somebody comments on how moody we are. Um, and you say, no, I'm, I'm in a great mood right. as you're yelling back at them. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, one other thing that I didn't mention, um, maybe um, drinking too much okay. or taking more meds than you normally would or abusing meds. I mean, that's um, these are more extreme cases, but it does happen when people just don't know what to do. Um, they might find themselves engaging in pretty bad behaviors um, to cope yeah. um, rather than, you know, than using healthy coping skills. You know, that, that that's part of the reason why they're not feeling so great is because they're not sure what to do with these feelings. And instead of seeking help or or finding a way to feel better they they're stuck and then they are just kind of spinning their wheels and maybe engaging in some unhealthy habits and and some some of those negative feelings i mean about our caregiving roles you know they're normal aren't they yes absolutely i mean even people who who want to be a caregiver for their right. parents, who right. value that and feel like it's a source of pride and, you know, now I'm giving back, it's still difficult because it, it's a role change, right? And it's right. a added responsibility. And a lot of the adult children have their own families. Some of them have young children. So it, it's a huge responsibility and sometimes it becomes a huge burden that they were not prepared for. Um, and even if you were prepared for and everything seems to be going fairly well or you're able to manage the stressors, there are going to be times when you're like, oh, what did I get myself into or why can't I right. get more help here and there? It's normal. I, I mean, we, we're not expected to be happy all the time or to feel good or to feel like we're the most competent person all the time. When we care for someone who needs us a lot, a lot of times we're going to feel like we're failing them. Yeah. Um, and other people, because there's just so much pressure to do and to give and, and, and we're taxed. So if you're noticing this is happening all the time, every day, when was the last time you smiled? Oh, I don't know. When was the last time you did something fun for yourself? I can't remember. You know, when you're getting there, then yeah. those are signs that now you're you're moving somewhere else. Definitely. I, you know, and and. I hear it in I hear it in people and sometimes people will call me and say, you know, my mom needs help, you know, she lives alone but I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should, you know, move her in with me or move there or, you know, hire someone or do this or that and I I'm thinking about maybe I should just give up, you know, you know, stop working and just move in with her and, and take care of her. And sometimes I, you know, say to people, well, you know, let's say, for instance, it's a patient who's, you know, starting with 
uh, dementia, and I'll say to them, you know, um, if you can kind of learn what caregiving entails before the crisis, you know, you can, for instance, if somebody's starting with dementia, maybe you can find a class or, you know, sometimes the Red Cross has classes or, you know, the Alzheimer's Association or or um, they have support groups or something just yes. to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or talk to Educate experts. Educate yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> know what you're getting into. <laughs> because, you know, it seems natural in the beginning and it seems okay, you know, it's going along okay, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you are, you have this commitment and you, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're trying to fit your life around the caregiving or, you know, your spouse, maybe your family or, or it, it, you didn't realize how, how it's going to just take over your life. So I, I kind of, I, I offer that suggestion to people thinking, you know, maybe that might help. Um, you, of course, you can never, you never know what's going to happen or, you know. Absolutely. Even when you're fully prepared, you, you never know. But at least having a sense of what you're walking into, maybe understanding the symptom presentation and, you know, what the prognosis is um, may give you a sense. Because a lot of times there's that commitment that you start out with and then it turns out to be years. before the person gets better or there's years of decline and it's 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 difficult um and and people i think feel very badly for second guessing their choices but it's only natural to do that when it's an everyday experience especially if you live with the parent or the person you're caring for um it's even more difficult but at least you know what they're up to yeah, right. Relieve that stress. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, I do. I, 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 you know, I have said to people just, you know, when you're moving mom in with you, you have to realize, you know, everything is is going to change, you know, and and not only for for you, your mom, but your children, maybe, you know, or your grandchildren or your spouse. So yeah, there's a there's a lot that. Um, you know, we can't even imagine, you know, especially with, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia. Those are, um, yes, those are really, I mean, it's always difficult, but having somebody who is having such, the memory impairment is very difficult um, to see the progression of that and to experience that. And, um, you know, to be the one giving so much care and then getting such little recognition, especially from the person who you are caring for. It's very challenging. Um, and then the behavioral issues that come with these conditions, it's just, it's, it's, it's exhausting for the caregiver. And when, when should someone seek professional help? You know, it's funny you say that because a lot of times I get the call from the, from the adult child saying, I need my mother to come see you or I need my father to come see you. They are doing this. They're doing that. And I can't take it. And we're fighting. And so they have the identified patient, right? They are the person who has the problem. And clearly, you know, they do have problems. They need to come see you. They need an evaluation. I don't know what they need, but they need something. You have to fix them. And I'm like, well, I don't know that they're going to (laughs) come or do anything with me. And then I try to educate them about, you know, what, stressors they're having and maybe it would be helpful for them to have the space to come and talk to me or to someone like me um and recently actually it it wasn't my own case it was a somebody i supervised at the clinic at the i'm sorry at the practice and um she got a call or i got the call from the woman wanting care for the mother and then the mother was not 
willing to come. And I think it turned for a little bit because I don't I don't know that the the case actually panned out. But the the adult child decided to engage in therapy for a little while um, because it was helpful yeah. to her to to have that space. But sometimes um, people don't want to see that they 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 want the person that is giving me the headaches and right. frustrating me to get fixed. Right. I'm fine. <laughs> it's not me. It's them. And maybe true. It, it it is a lot of them. It is their interactions with you and yours with them that is creating this this mess that you're feeling um but you need care and sometimes we need care of our minds of our right. spirits um and having that personal space where you can see someone and if it's psychotherapy like with someone like me there's it, it can be such a sacred space in that there's so much confidentiality um so so you can you can really speak um yeah your feelings and your frustrations and feel like you know you're protected and you're getting help and you're heard i mean there is limits to confidentiality but in general most of the people that i see are able to i mean this is going to sound funny but i always see it this way it's like they disrobe in front of you slowly but they do so you know (laughs) not quite in that way but you know they start to give you right so much information you know it's like piecemeal they start a little bit here a little bit there and then as they trust you you get a sense of the person and i i guess i use in my mind i don't tell them that um right this disrobing because they are more vulnerable over time you know and yes when you are vulnerable you're showing so much of yourself that's Um, right you're right so (laughs) bad example (laughs) no no not at all dr dr lena aldano how can people reach you if they if they feel the the easiest way would be to go to the website which is uh gperelli.com i'll spell it out g-p-i-r-e-l-l-i dot c-o-m perfect and i would love to have Dr. Aldana back again because this was so informative and I'm sure we can add more to another show. Thank you so much, Dr. Aldana, for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. I really hope this episode helped you with something you may be going through at this moment. Please keep emailing your questions and comments and tell me as much as you can because what you share can help someone else. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Subscribe to our show on iHeartRadio. iPhone users can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. I'd love it if you'd share this episode with your family, coworkers, and friends. Episode number 74. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a Countersink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York, under license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. We're all about helping each other on Parents Are Hard to Raise. And one of the ways you can help someone else find our show is to give it a high rating. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.